Section 37 of Journal of the Reverend Francis Asbury, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brian Keenan. Journal of the Reverend Francis Asbury, Volume 1, Section 37. Sunday 9. I have peace. It has been very rainy, but clear this morning. We had a great day, preached on 1 John 5:19. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Brother Gerritsen exhorted, there was some melting. John Cooper spoke to purpose. Joseph Cromwell brought up the rear with great success. The people were serious. Monday 10. I have peace of soul, but too much talk like trifling. The devil throws his firebrands, but grace is sufficient. I appointed Brother Wyatt to keep the ground against the Baptists, and to supply our places here instead of the traveling preachers that are going to conference. For John's people intend to come a-fishing about when we are gone. We had a love-feast at eight o'clock. Many spoke in a very feeling manner. God was with us at eleven o'clock. I preached on Second Corinthians 4, 12. Brother Cromwell and Brother Gerritsen exhorted. The people were moved at what was said, though simple, and the same things he frequently says. But he is a man of God, and their spiritual father. Tuesday, 11. We rode fifty miles to Choptank. Wednesday, 12. I was employed in writing a short history of the Methodists, also in preparing my papers for conference. I am going from my home, Thomas White's. Thursday, 13. I set off for Richard Shaw's in Kent, and came in about five o'clock, and kept a watch evening. I spoke on 1 Corinthians 16, 13, 14. Caleb Petticord exhorted. Friday, 14. A day of fasting. I was employed in preparing my paper for conference. Caleb Petticord is my scribe. I am under some apprehensions that trouble is near. Thomas McClure is confined sick in Philadelphia. Henry Kennedy and William Adams are dead. So the Lord cuts off the watchmen of Israel. But sure I am that it is better to die early than to live, though late, to dishonor God. Saturday, 15. I spent the afternoon with Mr. McGaw. Sunday, 16. Rode twelve miles and preached at the chapel on Psalms 122, 6-8. Had some life among the people, but I fear they did not properly understand me. Preached at Richard Shaw's my farewell sermon on Acts 21:32. The people were solemn, but not deeply affected with a sense of the worth of their souls. Monday 17. Our quarter meeting began. Our little chapel with galleries held about 700, but there were, I judge, near 1,000 people. I preached on Philippians 1:27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Tuesday, 18. After love feast, Mr. McGaw read prayers, and Mr. Neal preached a good sermon on Feed My Sheep. Brother Gerritsen and myself exhorted. The power of God was present in the love feast. Many spoke in our meeting with light, life, and liberty. Wednesday, 19. I left Mr. Emery's, where we were very kindly entertained in the dreary forest. They live well. 
these people were brought off their prejudices by Mr. McGaw's preaching in the chapel. They and their family connections promise fair. Brother Gerritsen spoke on, Ye now have sorrow. But he could not move the people here as at the seaside. They are cooler, and he is not their spiritual father. Thursday 20. Set off for Baltimore, and called at Mr. McGaw's. We parted in much affection. Called at Mr. Bassett's, and had a warm conversation with Warner Mifflin. We prayed, and Mrs. Bassett made a confession of finding peace. We rode to Solomon Simons's. Friday 21. We rode to Robert Thompson's, Maryland, Cecil County. Dined, prayed, and spoke close to him, who had fainted in his mind, being now left alone. We came to Susquehanna River a little before sunset, and passed over in the night. Rode six miles in the dark, and a bad road. But Providence has preserved me hitherto. I had a very tender feeling for the people I left behind. This makes me think I must return. Saturday, 22. I could not pray for our friends we left behind without weeping. We rode to Mr. Goff's, Baltimore County. My friends appeared very joyful to see me. Brother Glendenning had his objections to make, and pleaded some in favor of the Virginia brethren, who had made a division. Footnote. See what a poor unsettled creature this Glendenning ever was. This was long before he went into his mighty trances, visions, etc., that he talks so much about. No wonder that a person of his selfish temper should behave as he has done to his brethren the Methodists. W.S. End of footnote. We prayed after dinner, and God was with us. I had cause to talk more than I desired. Sunday, 23. Lord, give me wisdom that is profitable to direct. This is a dumb Sabbath. I have no freedom to preach. There are strange changes. What has taken place with our brethren seems parallel with the commotions of the southward, and the same spirit. I am kept in peace, through grace, and am casting my care upon the Lord. If I cannot keep up old Methodism in any other place, I can in the peninsula. That must be my last retreat. Spent some time in private, and prepared some conditions for a partial reconciliation, in hopes to bring on a real one in Virginia. Brother Gerritsen preached in the afternoon on these words, Disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. He was short and profitable. I prayed with my heart full. Met Brother Selby, whom I have not seen for near six years, one of my old friends from New York, driven about by the commotions of the present times. He, with great joy, fell upon my neck and wept. I am more moved than ever before, with leaving and meeting my friends. These are humbling times, and make the Christians love one another. I found the spirits of the preachers much melted and softened. I hope things will be made easy. Monday, 24. We made a plan for the appointment of the preachers. Received three epistles from the Jerseys, soliciting three or four preachers, with good tidings of the work of God reviving in those parts. The petitioners I shall hear with respect. I am kept in peace. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Row to Baltimore, and my friends were much rejoiced to see me, but silence broke my heart. The act against non-jurors reduced me to silence, because the oath of fidelity required by the act of the State of Maryland 
was preposterously rigid. I became a citizen of Delaware, and was regularly returned. I was at this time under recommendation of the governor of Delaware as taxable. Tuesday, 25. Our conference met in peace and love. We settled all our northern stations. Then we began in much debate about the letter sent from Virginia. We first concluded to renounce them, then I offered conditions of union. One, that they should ordain no more. Two, that they should come no farther than Hanover Circuit. Three, we would have our delegates in their conference. Four, that they should not presume to administer the ordinances where there is a decent Episcopal minister. Five, to have a union conference. These would not do, as we found upon long debate, and we came back to our determinations, although it was like death to think of parting. At last a thought struck my mind, to propose a suspension of the ordinances for one year, and so cancel all our grievances, and be one. It was agreed on both sides, and Philip Gatch and Reuben Ellis, who had been very stiff, came into it, and thought it would do. Wednesday, 26 preached on Acts 6, 4, with liberty. Thursday, 27. Read the advice to preachers. At twelve o'clock we had a melting love feast. Preachers and people wept like children. At night I preached on Acts 2, 48, with great liberty, to about six hundred people. Joseph Cromwell and Freeborn Gerritsen spoke. At the recommendation of the conference, William Waters, too. These three volunteered, and were to be my spokesman. Myself and Brother Gerritsen are going to the Virginia Conference to bring about peace and union. I am kept in peace through much business, little sleep, cold weather, and damp. Lord, return and visit us. Friday, 28. I have peace and am going to Brother Lynch's this day. I had a melting sense of divine love upon my heart after dinner. This family professeth sanctification. Whether this be so in the fullest sense I know not. But this I know, that they are much more spiritual than ever I knew them. So far it is well, and we go upon safe ground. Saturday, 29. Road to Mr. Goff's. This is a good house to do business at. Sunday, 30. I went to the Fork Preaching House, an Episcopalian minister preaching just by spoke on Psalm 78, 4-8. It was not made a great blessing to the people. I was much tried to know if the subject was proper, and I think it was. I could not make choice of any other. Spoke at Mr. G's on 1 Peter 1, 5-10. Had only the family to preach to. This is not like Kent in Delaware, for life and congregations. There were many of us, and much talking prevented my reading, writing, and praying. Monday, May 1, 1780. I am going to Virginia. Am kept, but not so much employed for God as I ought to be. Preached at Baltimore on John 5, 19. A rainy night, but many came to hear. Tuesday, 2. I rode to John Worthington's and spoke at night. God was present. I once had an opportunity of seeing Charles Scott, apparently full of the Holy Ghost. But what is he now? He died in a drunken reverie. Wednesday 3. 
I rode to Georgetown, from thence to William Adams's in Virginia. Came in late and fatigued. Thursday, 4. Prepared some papers for a Virginia conference. I go with a heavy heart, and fear the violence of a party of positive men. Lord, give me wisdom. I preached at the chapel in Fairfax, and met Mr. Griffith, an Episcopal minister, who was friendly, and we spent the afternoon together. Friday, 5. Set out in company with Brother Gerritsen, rode near forty miles, lodged at Garrett's Tavern, where we were well entertained. Brother Gerritsen talked to the landlord on the subject of religion, and prayed with him at night and in the morning, though he would not consent to call his family together. We rode on to Mr. Arnold's about thirty miles, the road's good. Brother Gerritsen will let no person escape a religious lecture that comes in his way. Sure he is faithful, but what am I? We found the plague was begun. The good man Arnold was warm for the ordinances. I spoke on, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. There were about forty people, but dead enough. Sunday 7. We rode eighteen miles to Brown's Tavern. I preached on Isaiah 55, 6-7. On entering into Virginia, I have prepared some papers for the conference, and expect trouble. But grace is almighty. Hitherto hath the Lord helped me. Monday 8. We rode to Granger's fifteen miles, stopped and fed our horses. These people are full of the ordinances. We talked and prayed with them. Then rode on to the Manikin Town Ferry, much fatigued with the ride. Went to Friend Smith's, where all the preachers were met. I conducted myself with cheerful freedom, but found there was a separation in heart and practice. I spoke with my countryman, John Dickens, and found him opposed to our continuance and union with the Episcopal Church. Brother Waters and Gerritsen tried their men, and found them inflexible. Tuesday, 9. The conference was called. Brother Waters, Gerritsen, and myself stood back, and being afterward joined by Brother Dromgoul, we were desired to come in, and I was permitted to speak. I read Mr. Wesley's thoughts against a separation, showed my private letters of instructions from Mr. Wesley, set before them the sentiments of the Delaware and Baltimore conferences, read our epistles, and read my letter to Brother Gatch, and Dickens's letter in answer. After some time spent this way, it was proposed to me, if I would get the circuits supplied, they would desist, but that I could not do. We went to preaching. I spoke on Ruth 2, 4, and spoke as though nothing had been the matter among the preachers or people, and we were greatly pleased and comforted. There was some moving among the people. In the afternoon we met. The preachers appeared to me to be farther off. There had been, I thought, some talking out of doors. When we, Asbury, Gerritsen, Waters, and Dromgoul, could not come to a conclusion with them, we withdrew, and left them to deliberate on the conditions I offered, which was to suspend the measures they had taken for one year. After an hour's conference, we were called to receive their answer, which was, they could not submit to the terms of union. I then prepared to leave the house, to go to a near neighbor's to lodge, under the heaviest cloud I ever felt in America. Oh, what I felt! Nor I alone, but the agents on both sides. They wept like children, but kept their opinions. Wednesday, 10. I returned to take leave of conference, 
and to go off immediately to the north, but found they were brought to an agreement while I had been praying, as with a broken heart, in the house we went to lodge at, and Brother Waters and Gerritsen had been praying upstairs where the conference sat. We heard what they had to say. Surely the hand of God has been greatly seen in all this. There might have been twenty promising preachers and three thousand people, seriously affected by this separation. But the Lord would not suffer this. We then had preaching by Brother Waters on, Come thou with us, and we will do thee good. Afterward we had a love feast. Preachers and people wept, prayed, and talked, so that the spirit of dissension was powerfully weakened, and I hoped it would never take place again. Thursday, 11. I rode to Petersburg, thirty-five miles, through much fatigue and want of rest. Found myself indisposed with the headache. With difficulty I spoke at Brother Harding's on, We know that we are of God but was so unwell I could scarcely speak at all. Though having prevailed with God and man, I yet halt on my thigh. Friday 12. I am a little better. Rest this day to write to Mr. Wesley. In Petersburg, our friends who had a little religion before these times have declined. I fear their hearts are worldly. Some who had religion before these times have lost it and many who had none have gained much. Like some who had no fortunes have gained great ones, and many of those who had great fortunes are in a fair way to lose them, if these times hold long. Saturday 13. Went to Nathaniel Lee's and preached to about fifty people on Ephesians 5, 8, and had freedom. The congregation small, owing to a muster and cock-fighting not far off. I then wrote to Wood Tucker's, a great friend to the old plan of Methodism, and was kept in peace. Sunday 14. Rode to George Booth's. He is a curious genius for a mechanic. We had a great house and about three hundred people. I spoke on 1 Corinthians 2.14, plain, warm, and searching. But they seemed in general careless. I fear there is but little solid, pure religion here. Monday 15. Was much exercised. Lord, keep me every moment. As this is rest day, I intend to employ my time in reading and writing principally. But my spirit is restless various ways, and I think I ought always to be employed. I am for attending my twelve times of prayer, and resisting the devil steadfastly in the faith. I am much humbled before the Lord. A blessing I want, and will not cease crying to the Lord for it. I read Dr. Chandler's appeal to the public. I think, upon the whole, he is right. Why might not the Protestant Episcopal Church have as much indulgence in America as any other society of people? Tuesday 16. Spent near an hour in private prayer, and twice in the family. Then went to Nottaway Church, where Mr. Jarrett gave an excellent sermon on A Man Shall Be a Hiding Place. He was rather shackled with his notes. We then had sacrament. Afterward, I returned to George Booth's, spent the evening with Mr. Jarrett, and found him as friendly as ever. He labors, but the people give him little or nothing. Wednesday 17. Rode to the Widow Heath's. About seventy people were waiting for me. It was twenty miles, my horse lame, and the road rough. The enemy tried me just before I came to the house, as he generally does, 
if the distance is more than I expect. I spoke on Luke 13, 23, and was pointed, and had liberty. God moved upon the hearts of the people. Met the society about fifteen pious people. Most were blessed, and they seem all on stretch for holiness. Spent my afternoon in reading and study. There seems to be some call for me in every part of the work. I have traveled at this time from north to south to keep peace and union. And oh, if a rent and separation had taken place, what work, what hurt to thousands of souls! It is now stopped, and if it had not, it might have been my fault. It may have been my fault that it took place. But I felt a timidity that I could not get over. Preachers and people making the trial, they see the consequences, and I hope will do so no more. They have suffered for their forwardness. May we all be more prudent. Thursday, 18. When I came to Andrews's, the people had no notice. I was much tried on the way, my horse lame and the road rough. But I lifted up my heart to God. The family sent out and called in about sixty people, black and white. Spoke on Revelations 22, 13 through 18. I had liberty and felt a moving in my own soul. Two women were cut to the heart and were in an agony of soul for holiness. I prayed with them twice, while the people stayed, and afterward spoke to them. They both, notwithstanding their agony, had a clear sense of the blessing they stood in need of, and believed God had purified their hearts. I saw them both happily breathing a divine calm and heavenly sweetness. I see clearly that to press the people to holiness is the proper method to take them from contending for ordinances or any less consequential things. I read and transcribed some of Potter's church government, and must prefer the Episcopal mode of church government to the Presbyterian. If the modern bishops were as the ancient ones, all would be right, and there wants nothing but the spirit of the thing. Friday, 19. A very warm day. I rode over Blackwater to Beddingfields, and spoke with liberty to about one hundred people on Acts 26, 19. When I came to treat on sanctification, I melted into tenderness, and the people also. Met class, and had a blessed tenderness among the people. Kept a fast day till four o'clock, then ate no meat. It is a day of peace and purity, but I might have been more in prayer. I called to see Captain Nicholas. His wife is confined to her bed, but she was blessed. Thank the Lord. Saturday, 20. I rode to Bartlett's ten miles, and preached to about thirty insensible people. Afterward rode to Warren's, who was in distress, being of a melancholy cast, which is a family disorder. He is a man of understanding, and in time past followed the Quakers. He was in bed in perfect health. I raised him up, and after prayer he appeared better. The people are young and have no deep sense of religion here, but they must have a trial. Sunday, 21. I have peace of mind, but fear we shall have few hearers today. It is not far from the rich and great upon James River. I read and transcribed some of Potter's church government till ten o'clock, was assisted in speaking to about two hundred people who appeared very ignorant and unfeeling. After a while I gave them another sermon, not very acceptable to me, and perhaps less so to them. However, I am clear, they are warned. We then set out at four o'clock, 
rode sixteen miles over high hills and deep valleys in the dark, but came safe, went to bed at eleven o'clock, and was up at five o'clock. It is well if this will do long. I am always on the wing, but it is for God. Monday, 22. I labored with Brother Hill. I showed him the evil of a separation which he seems to be afraid of. Our people's leaving the Episcopal Church has occasioned the people of that church to withdraw from our preaching. I preached on Romans 8, 7-9, through 9, and had an opening. The people appeared pleased, and some wept, and I hope were profited. I advised our friends to attend the Episcopal Church that prejudice might be removed. Then their people will attend us. If I could stay, some would attend. We suffer much by young preachers and young people. Yet they would do their duty if they knew it. But those that knew a little of our discipline, and have been first in the work, came into the notion of ordinances, and neglected the direction in the minutes. Tuesday, 23. I went to the great preaching house in Nansemund. It has been a storehouse, now turned into a preaching house. There were about three hundred people. I saw but one trifler among them. And he arose and went out, when I came about the consciences of the sinners. I spoke on First Peter 4, 18. Had uncommon freedom. They appeared to be an affectionate, good people. They collected me money, but I took none. A man offered me a silver dollar, but I could not take it, lest they should say I came for money. There is a general prospect of a work. The minister, Mr. Burgess, is a very respectable man, and preaches, the people say, plain, good sermons. No doubt the introduction of the ordinances by us would be offensive where there is a clergyman so worthy. I had a meeting at night at Pinner's. The society came. I exhorted them to holiness and relative duties, and spoke of Satan's temptations. There was a great melting. I read between preaching and the evening meeting, Bishop Burnett's plain and honest account of the Earl of Rochester. It was a great thing to see such a man brought to God, a check to infidels, a confirmation of truth. I was melted and filled with God. Oh, how the Lord blesses me among these people! I have labored to get our friends well affected to the Episcopal Church. What could I do better, when we had not the ordinances among us? End of section 37. Recording by Brian Keenan.